you're about to hear something you've never heard before. Because there has never been a radio program like this before. Welcome to God's Signs. This is God's Signs, featuring J.R. Bucklew, President and CEO of the Deaf Bible Society in Arlington, Texas, a missions organization dedicated to provide God's Word in every signed language to deaf people around the world. I'm Marshall Lawrence. Now, if you're listening to this program, I'm assuming you can hear. An obvious assumption, right? And if you're like the vast majority of hearing people, you probably don't know a lot of deaf people and haven't given a lot of thought to how their lives are different than yours. I know I didn't until our deaf daughter was born. And then we began a journey of discovery that just transformed our world. Well, J.R. Bucklew had the exact opposite experience to ours. He was born into a deaf family, a hearing child of deaf adults. And that experience has transformed his life and has given him the great passion to transform the world. So stay with us for a few minutes. I guarantee you'll hear things you've never heard before. JR? Have you ever wondered how those that are deaf access information? I mean, the hearing community is constantly bombarded by TV shows, news programs, radio programs, movies, podcasts, the internet. I mean, the list goes on and on. And there's no lack of information for a hearing person such as you or I to absorb. But have you ever considered how the deaf obtain information? Think about the irony of this program that you're listening to right now. I mean, think about the fact that you're either sitting at home, you're driving in your car, you're, you're on the train, you're listening to this on your phone, and you're listening to a radio broadcast uh, that's talking about deaf people. You're absorbing information right now that a deaf person is not, or at least they wouldn't have before. But for the most part, how do deaf people access information? You know, I grew up as a what's called a CODA, a child of deaf adults, C-O-D-A. American Sign Language was my first language, and it really wasn't until I was around four or five years old that I was exposed to the English language. Now, what I mean by that, there was English around me, but the language used in my home was American Sign Language. And so we signed with one another. My first words, if you will, were in sign. They weren't spoken. And anything that I did speak was usually how I heard my dad try to verbalize things. So it kind of had what I would call my deaf accent kind of thrown into that. And it really threw people off because I was this hearing kid that could hear and could communicate with you, but I didn't quite communicate things like you expected me to. I would, I would say things and they sounded really off or maybe weren't accurate. And for the most part, would just go back to signing American Sign Language. And that, that was my life. That's how we engaged. We went to church. It was a deaf church. The preaching was in American Sign Language. The music, uh, the worship, if you will, was in American Sign Language fellowships. My parents' friends were deaf. That was my life. That's how I engaged. And growing up, I mean, radio and TV for my family uh, was really different, I'd say. I mean, we didn't grow up listening to the radio. I mean, even today, in terms of music, my, my personal preference of music is so broad. 
because I had no I had no influence. There there were nothing was filtered for me from my parents. And so it wasn't really until I got older that I actually started listening or even had things to play music on. I mean I have de- I had deaf parents. When I said, "Hey, I really want this Walkman or I really want now I want the CD player, this portable. I want this." They're like, "What for?" Well, listen to music. Like, why do you need to listen to music? They never listened to music. That wasn't something they did. It wasn't part of their life. And so for them, it was it was really odd. Why, why does our child want to do these things? We were perfectly fine without them. I did learn to read really early, though, because oftentimes there was no volume on our TV, and the only thing that was used on the TV was the closed captioning. And so, I mean... That's how I watched cartoons was with closed captioning because my parents, it wasn't natural for them to think about, oh, we should probably turn the volume on because they never engaged with the TV with the volume on. So it was a very different experience, but they never, there was never, ever, ever engagement with radio. And still today, whether it's satellite or terrestrial radio, I mean, radio is huge. The impact of radio and podcasts on culture and community society is huge and deaf people like my parents are totally they're totally left out of that movement they they're not able to absorb the information that that we have the ability to access and so and just so you know each god signs program is fully accessible in both the english audio as you're listening to right now, and American Sign Language in video. Both are available at godscience.com. And as far as we've been able to to tell from everyone that we've communicated with, this is actually will be the very first radio program that has full access for the deaf community. The first program that is actually completely accessible for people to listen to and watch, whether you're deaf or hearing, both communities can engage with the content. And that is huge. That is huge. And you may be wondering, why do we choose the name God Signs for this radio program? I mean, why this particular name? Well, the meaning is really twofold. It's both a reflection of what God is doing to reveal himself to deaf people around the world and the simple fact that God does know sign language. Regarding the first, what is happening in the world today? I mean, what's what is happening? What are we observing? You know, technology is advancing at such an incredible pace. The digital age we live in, or even as some people are saying post-digital age, uh, these advancements are contributing to the success of translating God's word into sign languages, using digital video as the medium to capture the translation and then share it with others. Technology is opening the door for deaf people to see scripture in their sign language for the very first time all over the world. This is a sign or a recognition of things moving toward a certain destination. God's word tells us in Revelation that every nation, tribe, people, and tongue, every language will be standing before the throne and the Lamb. Deaf people and their sign languages are included in that every. Deaf leaders around the world actually standing up and saying, Not only do we want this, but we are going to make it happen because we need this. We have to have this. An accelerated effect is occurring with people and organization and churches to come together, and we see this as a real God sign. 
the other meaning behind God's signs is that God does indeed sign. We believe as he is the creator of all languages and the ultimate form of communicating love, that there are no boundaries for him making himself known to people. In scripture, he used the burning bush, floods, stars, even a speaking donkey to get people's attention. And for deaf people, their sign language is not a barrier for them to know God or for God to communicate with them. He knows all languages as the creator of all languages. And that includes sign languages. God signs. He does sign. I want to share some scripture to really help further illustrate this this idea that he signs. And I'd like us to look at Mark chapter 7 and really look at the interaction between Jesus and the deaf man. Mark 7 I'm reading from the ESV, so verse 31 to 37 says, And then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. I mean, the crowd had heard about Jesus and his miracles. I mean, think about this. Well, what had just happened before verse 31? You have the the occurrence with the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, her faith being the reason for her interaction with Christ and the miracle there. And so you can imagine that this, this, I mean, people were talking about this. It It says that the crowd brought him to Jesus, that they, they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And so they've heard these stories, and I often think about, you know, what did that look like? You know, people are sharing these stories. They're sharing about what's happened. They're sharing about what they've heard. Like, did you hear about this guy, Jesus? Did you hear about his disciples? Did you hear about what's going on in these towns? And they're coming here. But then you think about this deaf man. What was it like for him? I've had the privilege of visiting deaf people in in many countries around the world. But when I lived in Ethiopia, uh, the I, I picture I picture the marketplace there, where I lived in Ethiopia. When I when I think about this story, and I think about some of my deaf friends who worked in the marketplace, and usually their job was very 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 labor oriented. I mean, it was either it was either just carrying wood back and forth, charcoal back and forth, or they were shoeshine boys. They had a little little a little bench and they clean people's shoes as they walk by or they fix sandals. And so I try imagining that in this time, what, what was this deaf man doing? Well, maybe he was fixing sandals in the marketplace. Maybe he was sitting there and he didn't hear the water cooler conversations or the water hole conversations that were taking place at the well about this guy named Jesus and all this stuff that was happening. He had no idea what was going on. He's, he's just doing his thing. He's fixing sandals. What would it be like 
to have no context of the conversations taking place around you. And all of a sudden this crowd comes and they grab you and they drag you down the road and they throw you at the feet of this guy. And if you've, if you ever, if you've ever researched, you know, the geography at this time and you, and you look at the distance that was traveled from where he was with the Syrophoenician one, when he came from Tyre and as he went through Sidon to the Sea of Decapoli in the region of the Decapolis, I mean, that is a long way. These guys were not clean when they showed up. They were rough. And all of a sudden, this crowd has thrown this deaf man who has no context, has no awareness of the stories that have been taking place, and he's thrown at the feet of this guy with all these other people following, and the crowd is just pleading with this guy to do something with this deaf man. I mean, I would be horrified. And in a culture, in a culture where there was extreme oppression, extreme marginalization, I mean, Lepers weren't allowed in the temple. People weren't allowed to come in. You had to be out. What was it? What is about to happen to me? I mean, he must have been thinking, what is about to happen to me? But it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I mean, watch this. Is as they're begging him to lay his hands on him, he does something very unique. It says he takes him aside from the crowd privately. Very unusual behavior. I mean, why the need to be private? Most of these things happen out in the open. I mean, at a risk of his mission, things happen out in the open. Even people on the Sabbath, boy, did that cause a problem. That was out in the open. Why in this situation does he take this man away privately? But but he does. And I can only I can only think that it has something to do with the deaf man. And what I mean by that is when think about in our world, in the hearing world, if you want to have a private conversation in public, you whisper. You just talk really low. But in the deaf world, if you want to have a private conversation, you you kind of do exactly what Jesus just did here, and you move away from the crowd to get some privacy. I work in an office place where just about every single person in the building knows American Sign Language. There's not a whole lot of easy ways to whisper in a room of 50 people that all know American Sign Language because you can still see me signing no matter where you're standing in the room. And it doesn't help if your office door is glass. You can't close it and have a private conversation because I can still look through the glass and see exactly what you're saying. And so what he does here is a very, a very culturally appropriate thing in the deaf world is if a colleague and I need to have a real private conversation, we go away from people. And there are several reasons for that. It's so I can say something to him in confidence. And the second one is to eliminate visual distraction. When you go out to dinner with your friends and you really want to have a conversation to communicate you don't go somewhere where it's really loud and there's a live band because you can't communicate. There's audible distractions. And so in the deaf world, you want to reduce visual distraction. I want his full attention because I have something really important I need to say here. And so he does that. I think that's, that's amazing. How did he know to do that? Well, he's Jesus, but... But how did he know to do that with the deaf man, to take this guy away 
so he'd have his full attention. And then he does something really, really odd. It says he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue and looking up to heaven, he sighs and says to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And most people, most dramatizations of this passage show this occurrence as and he, Jesus, put his, Jesus, fingers in his, the deaf man's ears, right? So you can picture this, right? Kind of an odd thing to try to visualize at the moment, but you think, you know, Jesus got his fingers stuck in this deaf man's ears, and then Jesus spitting on the ground and touching this deaf man's tongue. However, we can read it and visualize a totally different scenario. If we said the exact same words, and he, Jesus, put his, Jesus, his fingers in his, Jesus' own ears. And he, Jesus, spat on the ground and touched his, his own, Jesus' own tongue. And after sighing, look up to heaven and he says, Ephatha. Well, why does, why would that even, why would, why would, why would that even be the scenario? Because now you picture something totally different. He's not sticking his fingers in the deaf man's ears. He's sticking the fingers in his own ears. And we know from other other accounts within the Gospels that he doesn't have to touch the deaf man for this to happen. I mean, the prime example is in the story we've just, just seen before this passage with the Syrophoenician woman's daughter where she pleads, and it's by her faith that her daughter is healed, not by a touch. So he doesn't have to touch the deaf man. So what's really going on? Well, even in the original text, the original writing of the book of Mark, the his is ambiguous, meaning it doesn't clearly state that the his for the fingers are, are, are Jesus's and that the his for the for the ears of the deaf man's. Are, it does, you can't read it and say, oh, yep, it's, it's clear. He stuck his fingers in the deaf man's ears. And you can't quite read it, and it's 100% clear to say, well, eh, he stuck his fingers in his own ears. And if we wanted to be really silly, you can't quite say, and he stuck the deaf man's fingers in Jesus' ears. I mean, the his is ambiguous. We, don't, we cannot say exactly what was happening in this passage. But we can make assumptions. And we can make some of these assumptions based on what happened when he sighed and said, Ephatha. We can make assumptions based on what we know of the writer. Mark was not here. He wasn't there. This occurrence was shared with him as he wrote this account. And so like most hearing people, when they're describing to me, they say, oh, they saw these deaf people. I said, well, what were they doing? They were talking. Well, about what? Well, I don't know. If you if you don't know sign language, you was like, for all I know, I mean, he was sticking his fingers in his ear, spitting on the ground, touching his tongue. He was doing all this weird stuff. I don't know what he was doing because you don't know the vocabulary behind the motions. And so I can't help but wonder, was he talking with this guy? Was he talking with the deaf man? Was he having a conversation? We said, why would he need to have a conversation, JR? I, I don't know. What I do know is that almost every other account in the Gospels of a miracle taking place, there was conversation. Communication took place. There was a question for everyone around faith. There was a question for everyone about intent. Maybe 
He was communicating. Maybe there was something bigger taking place here. I mean, he says, he looks up to heaven and he sighs and says, Ephatha, and as the text says, that is be opened. Even in the original text, the writer Mark, he says, Ephatha, that is be opened. Why do you have to do that? Well, Ephatha was a word used in this dialect, in this particular area of the Decapolis, that would have only been something that would have been known to the communicators here in this area, in this language group, not the broader use of Aramaic or Hebrew across Israel. It strikes me as quite amazing that the very first word Jesus would say, this deaf man is a word that would be his new language, Ephatha, be opened. But that's that's not the amazing part here. That That's not the miracle. The miracle... We haven't even gotten there yet. It says his ears were opened and his tongue was released. He spoke plainly. He didn't just make this deaf man hear. Well, that's not enough. Just because I can hear sound now doesn't mean I can interpret it. That comes with experience. That comes with life. That comes with trials. That comes with all these things that we go through to build context for what these sounds are. And beyond that, it says he spoke plainly. You cannot speak plainly without experience, without education, without things to develop the mind. And so so in order that you could speak something plainly. And it says the deaf man did that. And so we know that he didn't just give this deaf man the ability to hear sound and speak words, but he transformed the entire being of the deaf man. He made him a new person on the inside. He gave him context. He gave him information. And still, this is not the miracle. It's almost as though we can say, yeah, I'm fairly confident that Jesus was speaking to this deaf man and telling him, Here's what I need to do. Because it says he looks up to heaven and he sighs. (sighs) Why? Isn't this good? It's part of the plan. And sometimes things within the plan are difficult and are challenging and are painful. And I can only imagine Jesus saying, you know, this is going to be hard for you. Because now you're going to have to go back and meet your deaf friends and they're going to wonder, why did you do this? They still don't know who this Jesus is. They still don't know what who these people are. They still don't understand the context. What happened to you? And you're going to have to explain, but here's why we need to do this, because it's part of a plan. And here's what that plan is. The real miracle here, not that he heard, not even that he spoke plainly, though it's miraculous. The miracle is Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. What did they proclaim? They were astonished beyond measure, proclaiming, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear the mute speak. They weren't merely saying that a deaf man heard. They weren't merely saying that someone, that this this miracle happened. What was happening was, all of a sudden, entire people We're quoting the prophecy from Isaiah saying, In that day the Messiah, he will do all things well. He'll make the deaf hear the mute speak. In their quoting of this, what they were saying was, We're astonished we've seen the Messiah. He's here. He's come. He's here. 
to be a fly on the wall in the conversation of Jesus saying, you're about to do something extremely painful, you're, but you're about to be totally transformed. And in a way that you really don't need to have happen for yourself, but in order that I might be made known to an entire people. The miracle was the people knew who this man was truly as the Messiah. That through a deaf man, an entire community of hearing people came to know Christ for who he was. That's the miracle. Wow. What a powerful new perspective on Jesus' well-known miracle from the seventh chapter of Mark. As you listen to these words, did you see the action in your mind's eye? Jesus taking the deaf man aside, signing with him, and healing him, then speaking to him in private. That's one of the things our language does for us. It helps us organize our thoughts and ideas, and it paints mental pictures in our minds to help us more deeply understand complex or abstract ideas. Just as J.R.'s English words have done that for us today, the signed languages of the world do that for deaf people. It's the most native, most natural, and most accessible way for them to communicate, not only with other deaf people, but with themselves and with God. That's why the Deaf Bible Society and their many partners around the world are working hard every day to translate the Word of God into video in every signed language in the world. And yes, just as each country or people group has its own spoken language, those who are deaf in those countries have their own signed language. That means there are over 400 of these languages in the world. Yet today, as of this moment, not a single country in the world has the complete Bible translated into sign language for the deaf people of that nation. They need your help, your prayers, and your financial gifts to enable them to continue this unique and vital work until the eyes of every deaf person on earth will be able to see what you and I often take for granted, the rich, deep, life-changing power of God communicated to us through our native language. To learn more about Deaf Bible Society and their work, go to godsigns.com, godsigns.com. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, here's J.R. to conclude his thoughts for today. One of the largest, most overlooked people groups around the world are the deaf and that less than 2% of the over 70 million deaf people around the world have ever been shared a gospel presentation. That still today, not one of the over 400 sign languages has a complete Bible. We don't need them to be changed because we know who he is. And he's left it to us to do what? To go now make him known among every person. So that as we said in Revelation, before the throne, a people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, every language, including every sign language, they will be there with him. So I encourage you to pray and think about what are you zealously proclaiming? What are you astonished about in him? Is it the things he's done for you or who he is as the Messiah? And pray and see how he would use you in partnership with us 
to continue to make him known among every deaf people group in the world. You have that opportunity today. So please go to godsigns.com and plug in and join us in this movement because the mission is the Great Commission until all the deaf have seen. Thank you, JR. And thank you for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for another edition of God Signs from Deaf Bible Society. And pray and see how he would use you in partnership with us to continue to make him known among every deaf people group in the world. You have that opportunity today. So please go to godsigns.com and plug in and join us in this movement. Because the mission is the Great Commission until all the deaf have seen. Thank you, JR. And thank you for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for another edition of God Signs from Deaf Bible Society.